Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Tech Editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be anything at all, like whether Kara's next phone is going to be a budget Android phone after last, no. week, last week's podcast. Hello. You no. really don't need the iPhone 10. Yes, I do, and I'm getting it, so that's the way it's going to go, Lauren. Well, we talked to Jackie Chang from the Wire Cutter. Excuse me, Wire Cutter. Yeah, now did. they're not. They're no longer the Wire Cutter about no, all of the Take best the budget the. picks for tech. If you don't want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, you should listen to that. It was fascinating, even though it doesn't apply to me in any way. Anyway, so send us your questions. Find us on Twitter or tweet them to @recoder to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. And a friendly reminder: there are two R's and two S's in Embarrassed. Indeed, there are. Kara, we've been doing this podcast together for. I don't know, almost two years no. now, and I've, I, I've known you for a lot longer a than lot that. Longer. I started working for you in 2011, I think, yeah, but I just saw up. an ad on Facebook. What? <laughs> no, our relationship has gotten better with age. It's like a fine wine. Okay, if you say so, good. But I did just see an ad on Facebook that says, you are, Kara Swisher is secretly a lizard person. It's That is 100% true. That is 100% <laughs> true. Um, you know, I saw a tweet storm saying that you were a secret lizard person, that you operate a secret lizard person ring out of a pizza parlor in Silicon Valley. No, that was all, it was entirely bots. That is outrageous. <laughs> is it outrageous? Why? Why is it outrageous? It's on the internet. Okay, we've already talked about fake news on this podcast when we brought on CNN's Brian Stelter a little while ago, but things have gotten a lot more serious now when it comes to social media and U.S. politics, a lot more serious, and so we need to talk about it more. We do. Uh, the Senate and House Intelligence Committees here in the U.S. have summoned representatives from Facebook, Twitter, and Google to appear November 1st, that's next week, to figure out how social media companies were used by Russians to influence our own election here in 2016. Yes, indeed, the Russians. The Russians are coming. And so we're going to talk about what this all means and whether uh, that means the tech companies have finally got to take some responsibility, not as platforms, but as media companies. And so since it's a serious issue, we brought in a very serious person, which is Recode's Tony Rahm back onto the show. Hey, Tony. Hey, y'all. How you doing? I'm good. You know, bracing for next week. Bracing for next week. You were just complaining that you work too much to me. (laughs) I didn't say it exactly (laughs) that way. Mm -hmm. What better person to complain to than Kara? Exactly. This is the best time of this is the best story ever right from a reporting point of view yeah yeah from the perspective of policy and politics it totally is because mm-hmm. we haven't had this moment where like all of it collides right? right where silicon valley is finally being held to the fire in washington dc for not having done enough so it's got mm-hmm. intrigue it's got sexy russia stuff so mm-hmm. you know it's fun and, and it's not it's just russia, russia it's like oh, sexy russia stuff it's not just <laughs> that it's other things it's like the whole way these platforms work and everything and how they're being manipulated and how they're being used and of course then we had the blow up around uh, Harvey Weinstein, and then Trump is all all over it today. Like it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, honestly. it's sort of the perfect storm right it now. Is. Russia is also a hook for a lot of people who are just generally pissed off at Silicon Valley mm-hmm. and generally skeptical of bigness and technology to finally sink their teeth into something. So Absolutely. I think I think it's it, it's it's a big story in its own right, and it's also a microcosm for a larger thing. Absolutely, lucky Tony. So what do we know definitively right now about? You know, not social media's impact on the election from sort of like a high level, like, okay, we know the candidates themselves used social media as a big part of their campaigns. And we know that our current president, Donald Trump, is still very active on social media. But what do we know specifically about foreign influence? Sure. We so we certainly know that Russia 
played a role here. That Russian-backed trolls, you know, we're talking about specific trolls that have been identified by lots of scientists, the intelligence community as well, mm-hmm. uh, sought to co-opt social media to spread their message around the 2016 election. Or just cause trouble. Or too. just to cause trouble. And so let's use Facebook as an example. Facebook, in the course of reviewing its files, has found about 470 accounts tied to known Russian trolls that purchased about 3,000 ads that reached 10 million viewers in the United States before and after election that they know about that they know about and i think one of the things we'll keep coming back to in this conversation is that we don't yet have all the answers whether it's facebook or uh, twitter or google we're still getting some information about what happened on those platforms and how many folks it reached but Mm -hmm. nonetheless with facebook thousands of ads reached millions of viewers and these are just ads we're talking about not even just the other content uh, posted by these profiles and such and this has really hit a sour note on capitol hill you know as you guys said at the top of the conversation the house and Senate intelligence committees are investigating Russia's role in this election. And as part of that probe, they've really seized on these negative messages put out by Russian trolls. And so they're going to demand answers from all three of these companies and their executives at a hearing next week that could be pretty disastrous for these tech companies uh, if things really hit the fan. All right, we're going to go into those hearings, but let's let's drill a more on this influence because it's not just that. It's also um, how not just Facebook with Twitter and then Google, which initially I interviewed Susan Wojcicki a couple weeks ago, and she said, we don't know of anything right now. And she used the term right now, but we're looking into it. And immediately YouTube was implicated in some of this. Why don't you parse between the ads and the content? So people people who don't, who just like have been under a rock, understand. Yeah, that's a very, very important distinction. So with Facebook in particular, you know, we have 3,000 ads purchased by hundreds of Russian accounts, but those ads lead back to somewhere. Mm -hmm. And they lead back to profiles and pages that had information on them, uh, put out there by Russian agents. And a lot of that information, while it hasn't been released officially, you know, we were able to piece it together by lo- using web caches and so forth. You know, it wasn't explicitly about Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. It was about sowing social and political unrest. You know, Russian agents on these platforms sometimes took an issue like immigration or gun control or Black Lives Matter, and they would take both sides of that issue in order to fuel a very and vicious debate. Other, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we know what these debates look like normally. Yeah. Uh, I imagine with Russian trolls kind of stoking the flames with very incendiary so rhetoric. People in. So it pulls people in. And so we know that that happened mm-hmm. on Facebook. In some cases, it's these people weren't obviously Russians. That's the thing, right? I mean, they're actually posing as Americans and, po- and posing sort of as people a, involved. Posing as Americans. It's not like it says, like, oh, my name's like Olev Borishkov. <laughs> and yeah, you're like, oh, you know, it, it wasn't obvious. Yeah, they looked like official groups. They, you know, in some cases, they would link to official uh, organization stories and stuff. And, and Black Lives Matter and immigration are real issues. So mm-hmm. it, it's not as though it was apparent to the eye, especially when you put it in the context so of the other crap on, Twitter, on Facebook. They, on Twitter. Yeah, and so with Twitter, um, it was a little bit different. Twitter took some of the data that Facebook had uh, and queried its own records and found a few hundred accounts, about 201 accounts operated by trolls similar to what Facebook had found. Mm -hmm. But there it was all organic content. Those 200 plus accounts didn't purchase promoted tweets to spread their message. They were just arguing with each other. They were just arguing with each other, putting out stuff. And Mm -hmm. with Google, you know, your conversation... But before Twitter, because it's interesting, because one of the things is it's hard to know, as Lauren said, it's hard to know who they are. I I literally texted a very prominent reporter, I'm not going to say who it is, it was, was me. Ar- <laughs> yes. Who was, it wasn't you, but you are a very prominent reporter. Um, who was arguing with a bot. And I said, stop. You're arguing with a bot. 
And they're like, what? And I that said, definitely wasn't me. I know. I was like, you're arguing the pod. Stop. Just stop, 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 stop. And it was really how easily it is to pull relatively sophisticated people in and just think of people who aren't that sophisticated for you using these platforms. Yeah. Too. I mean, we watch hoaxes spread mm-hmm. all the time. Right. So it's certainly not a surprise that bots were a problem on Twitter, or that they were a problem on Facebook. And so with respect to Google, mm-hmm. uh, since your conversation uh, with folks over there, we have learned a little bit more as to what happened on that platform. The company hasn't officially said anything. Thing, but it did discover about four thousand uh, dollars worth of search and display ads uh, that it thinks are tied in some way to Russian trolls, mm-hmm. and then an additional fifty thousand dollars of ads that it thinks maybe have some tie mm-hmm. to Russia. But the company isn't Will sure. They but really, ever know these things are the way they set up these platforms? The anonymousness, the ability to buy ads immediately. The it's certainly hard. It's very difficult to figure this thing out. And then even when you kind of do know the location of it, uh, it's still then difficult to figure out the authorship. And so Senator. Mark Warner, some of the folks on Capitol Hill focused on this, uh, keeps coming back to the fact that, you know, can't you just look for the ads that have been purchased in rubles, the the, the ads purchased with Russian currency? (laughs) Well, no, it's not that easy. It's very easy to to purchase that in dollars and be a Russian agent. So, you know, it's very difficult. Did you find Boris and Natasha? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Seriously. For the youngins, that's a show called Bullwinkle, and it was had featured two Russian agents, Boris and Natasha. <laughs> I actually know that. I do, I do in fact, know that. Natasha. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Move along. Or Philip and Elizabeth, for people okay. who watch The Americans, yes, which yes, is true. one of my favorite shows. Uh, so it's mostly, it's it's not Facebook. It's Facebook, Twitter, and Google slash YouTube, essentially. and and But it's not necessarily Instagram or other parts of the Facebook empire, for Well, it example. is. It actually is. In the last couple of days, we've found out that some of those oh, 3,000 ads on Facebook, uh, at least some of them, a very small number of them appeared on, on Instagram. Instagram. We even heard from Facebook directly a couple of days ago uh, where some of the profiles uh, on Facebook, co-opted by Russian trolls, interacted with at least a few users using Facebook Messenger. Uh, yeah. and, and, and in all of these cases, we don't have the full copies of the ads or the copies of the profiles or the communications, but there's a thinking that after the hearings conclude that the House Intelligence Committee and the company will make some of that information available for us to see. I see. Hmm. What What have the company said to date in response to all of this? Uh, maybe you could um, stack right in a little bit in terms of uh, sufficiency and yeah. how well they're responding. Yeah, to, and, and, to and what's in going that on. vein, which company is the biggest vendor has been the most vague about it? Oh, which I mean, I mean, I guess the most vague is probably Google at this point because it hasn't said a whole lot of anything. But the flip side of that is that maybe Google doesn't have as big of a problem as these other platforms mm-hmm. do. So we'll, we'll see at the end of the day. Facebook has probably said the most out of anybody, most likely because it had the biggest problem of all three Cheryl of those did the platforms. Tour, the DC Cheryl tour. did the tour. She came to hang out in D.C. Mark Zuckerberg did his kind of awkward uh, Facebook Live video. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was his hostage video, um, which looked to me like a congressional testimony without Congress in front of him. Uh, was, but, I was like, get a light. Yeah, oh. <laughs> get a light. There's a, it's like down at Best Buy for whatever. Anyways. <laughs> so Mark did his whole thing, and they've put out a whole blog post talking about some of the things they want to do going forward, you know, hiring thousands of folks to start reviewing political ads and mm-hmm. investing in machine learning to kind of spot some of these things before they reach the Facebook platform. Didn't they so, fire people, editors? I, I, I don't know if they before, fired anybody. Before, in the, in the, that, that's what sort of led to some of these fake content stuff. Well, I, well but remember, a lot of it was coming from profiles that seemed legitimate at the time, right, at the time. Which, which is really one of the things I think you can expect to see at this hearing next week. Uh, that being members of Congress slamming the company for not having done more before the election to to, to police its platform so and the ads they? purchased on there. Well, I, I think for the reason that Facebook 
is under criticism for not doing a lot on a range of things when it comes to abuse and mm -hmm. content on their Twitter, platform. Yeah. And we can get to that. The, mm -hmm. the companies like Facebook are in a bit of a vice. Uh, Twitter took the most heat out of everybody because they were completely mum on specifics when they met uh, with the House and Senate Intelligence Committee just mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. Those two committees were really pissed off because Twitter didn't show up with copies of some of the information it had found. It didn't do enough uh, or exhaustive of a search uh, in the eyes of Senator Mark Warner. Uh, plenty of criticism was levied on Twitter for its response to that. And so far, the company hasn't actually announced any steps that it's going to take uh, to prevent this problem in the future, other than to say that they're being vigilant. Uh, and with Google, as we said, they haven't announced any of their findings, and so they haven't announced any solutions here. But I think you can expect to see a lot of members of Congress pillory these companies for not having done enough sooner. All right. Well, they did give people the ability to write things with 280 characters now. So <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, Which if they you're not you know, out to you just got more room to run with, really. Wait, they, I, Wait do we like, all have 280? I have 280. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know who gave me 280, but it's just dating Kara tweets. Kara Swisher does not have 280. <laughs> Kara needs 280. Oh, no. say, hello, Jack Dorsey. <laughs> Get me 280. All right, so how is this little kabuki dance on November 1st going to happen at the Intelligence Committee? Exactly what happens? And it's also not the bigs aren't coming, right? There's yeah, no the Cheryl. bigs. Cheryl ain't trotting herself Cheryl, out there. Cheryl certainly ain't trotting herself she out there. Ain't. Facebook it has ain't. never been so happy for an earnings call uh, oh, as they are. Excuse? It's the same day as earnings, the hearings. Oh, oh who knew? Uh, so... Nevertheless, we won't see Mark Zuckerberg and crew testifying. Regrets. Regrets. Uh, but we will see the top lawyers for these companies, the general counsels of these so companies. Kent Walker. Uh, the Kent Walker crowd, uh, Colin Stretch from Facebook and so forth. The acting general counsel of Twitter. Going to the uh, no, acting general counsel. Uh, counsel, yeah, because yeah. she's out. And uh, they'll be up there fielding questions. Typically, the House and Senate Intelligence Committees don't do their work out in the open. You know, when these companies have come in to brief classified. members, it's always happened behind closed doors. Typically, when they do hold hearings, they're done in classified settings, so you know reporters certainly can't get in. But this will be an open hearing that folks can watch and live stream. They're or just, doing it for attention, right? Uh, well, Expl you well, explained that before. There well. is, there is. It's not just attention. There is a real issue here, a, right? A lot of no. What, what I mean, does what you were saying attention. is that they can't. They there was a New York Times piece today that talking about how useless a lot of these Russia committees in Congress are going to actually be. And uh, Mueller was is the only game in town. But you were saying this is something they can talk about and throw yeah. light on it. Yeah, right? this is this is one of the few things that they can talk about. This is this is not classified, and you know, Facebook is out there putting information uh, about what it's found on its platform. So you know, it's fair game for these lawmakers to talk about, and it's an easy thing for them to sink their teeth in. So open. Uh, yeah, and I think you'll see that. I think you'll see a lot of very earnest questions about what these platforms did or did not do. I think you'll probably see a bit of grandstanding from folks who really want to beat up on Silicon Valley for just generally not doing enough on anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that these companies are in for what could be a pretty tough day before Congress. And if you're on the perspective of Facebook or the vantage point of Facebook, Google, and Twitter, their goal is going to be to make this as boring as possible. So they sent their most boring people. I, I mean, it's, it's essentially, I, yeah. like, I think their goal is going to be to make as little news as possible. Now, that's not going to work. You know, it's going to be the front page story everywhere. But who are the biggest grandstanders on these committees? Who really the wants to? Grandstanders? You don't have well, to insult these centers, but who wants to make the most? Like, yeah, I saw Bannon this weekend talk about the lords of technology, which obviously but there are Republicans uh, <laughs> who generally have been skeptical of Silicon Valley. This is this right, well like predates the stuff that we're talking about with Russia, who generally feel that Silicon Valley has not given conservatives a fair shake. And I do expect to see a little bit of that uh, from members of the committee. I'm not exactly sure, you know, who's going to 
things go there, but I would not be surprised to see a few Republicans raise that issue. I would expect Congressman Adam Schiff, uh, the top Democrat on House, House Intel, and Senator Mark Warner, the top yeah, Democrat Warner's. on Senate Intelligence Committee, to go hard on these companies. They have been the most outspoken when it comes to what they did and didn't do. They have been the most aggressive at pushing the companies to do more, and I think you can expect to see that. And with Warren in parti- Warner in particular, he's out there with a piece of legislation that would regulate the way that these companies— Can you explain that? Herbie? Yeah, yeah. So one of the big issues here is about advertising and getting a better sense as to who is advertising on your platform uh, and how much they're paying and who they're trying to reach. Right now, if you're uh, the citizens against lizard people, Mm -hmm. uh, you can run an ad on broadcast television. And as a result of that, you have to provide certain information and the network has to make that information available about what the ad said and how much it cost and, you know, when it ran, which gives you a sense as to who saw it and who bought it. But if you ran Mm -hmm. that same ad on Facebook or even in a video, yeah, even in a video, there's they're they're very the, the, the rules aren't the same. Um, certainly a copy of that ad isn't made available. Uh, there is very limited, if any, information about who it targeted. And while there are disclosure rules, you have to say it was paid for by the Citizens for Against Lizard People. It's uh, not always clear and conspicuous. Why? Why don't they follow the same rules? Well, because the law doesn't say that they have to, so they certainly don't. It's a video? A video is a video a video. Yeah, a video is a video is a video. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, but it's a, it's a distributed differently. Yeah, it's, 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 a much di- it's a much different it's world. And so, and so the piece of legislation that's being put forward by Senator Warren and some others, including Senator John McCain, the only Republican who's the signed on to this one. effort, yeah. called the Honest Ads Act. Why was would, he the only one? Uh, because Republicans have lots of questions about uh, campaign finance and campaign finance regulation. And uh, maybe they'll get more in the coming days and weeks, but we'll see. But their bill, which came out last week, is the Honest Ads Act, and mm-hmm. it would essentially require these companies with more than you know 50 million users and a majority of months in a year to make copies of those ads and information about who they targeted available for public inspection. And so to get back to the original question about who's going to make the most noise of these hearings, Warner is going to ask these companies if they support this legislation, and they're going to need to have an answer. And they, they haven't. Uh, they have said very little. They said that they'd work with the committee to to, to continue to refine the bill, which is code for please don't regulate us. But they're uh, going to get regulated, right? Uh, yeah. The one good thing, with, uh, you know, if there's anything I've learned about uh, in covering Congress for the 2.4 million years I've been alive is that you probably mm-hmm. should bank on inactivity more than activity, or uh, or watered down version, or watered down mm-hmm. version. Right now, there's nothing to suggest that this bill is going to move before the 2018 midterms. It's Mm -hmm. a long haul to get this bill through a committee, both House and Senate, to get it to the floor, to make sure it's the same version, to get it to the president's desk, which is another matter entirely. I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. I saw that. So, you know, here we... (laughs) A lot of people have it. Uh, So, uh, you know... (laughs) It's a shot across... That's a shot across the bow, though. It certainly is. No question. But we'll see if that actually becomes a law. More likely, it'll just prompt the companies to make changes on their own to stave off the bill becoming a law. Actually uh, being regulated, right. Mm -hmm. My my question is around how many people we think were actually influenced by this. You mentioned some numbers earlier in the show about the number of, yeah, how many, you know, how many, uh, I guess, like, people have seen it. But have there been any reports yet on, or any surveys done on how people felt 
you know, were possibly actually impacted by this or voted based on foreign, you know, information that was the result of foreign influence? Well, this is sort of the genius in what Facebook has done. You want to talk about PR moves. Facebook has focused exclusively on ads. You know, we had this many profiles and they ran 3,000 ads and 10 million people saw them. What you haven't heard from Facebook is the total number of people who saw the posts and the pages, the organic content that wasn't advertising. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to some um, academics and stuff who have studied this, they think it's into the tens of millions of people who have seen this uh, in their news feeds. Now, whether that affected them, that's hard to say. It, it's a very hard thing to measure. And, you know, I certainly can't wager a, a, an argument either way. And the other outstanding question is how much uh, some of those ads linked back to the Trump campaign or maybe even to the Clinton well, campaign. Well, I think it's but, part of the thing is they have this loosey-goosey platform and yeah. then they're like, oh, who knows? And then, of course, yeah. they created it. They, they're, they're all built for growth and not for control. And yeah. so anything that gets in the way of growth, they remove. And yeah. and mm-hmm. it's sort of like unsafe in any speed. And what's, you know and what's what I mean? Like it's and what's the is, big and what's the big growth thing for Twitter, right? It's monthly active users. Mm-hmm. What happens if you mm-hmm. crack down on potentially what 40 plus million bots depending on yeah. whose whose number you want to use? Your monthly active mm-hmm. users don't look so great. It's just So, uh, you know, there, there's there, there's a very cynical crowd out there who thinks that Twitter probably could deal with some of this problem. So and, a cynical and, crowd is everybody. <laughs> everybody but the people at Twitter. I mean, and of course, and they even think once they leave the building, they say it, you know, kind of thing. And I think you know, and in their case, they have a lot smaller group of people to deal with it. Um, they're not making money. They've got a they've got management mishaps. Facebook almost has no excuse. It's a really crack management team. They're making money hand over fist. Yeah, and it does seem that Facebook is 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 trying to learn. Right, right. Uh, after the U.S. election, they had to deal with the French election and some other European elections, and now they're thinking about the 2017 election in Virginia right. and the 2018 yeah. election uh, right. around the country. And it seems like they have done things they've put some new oh, checks into it. place or yeah. but but whether they're effective you know remains to be seen we we do know that with the french election they took down some 30,000 accounts the, right. they they were very active there knowing what the threat was so uh, this is the question facing all of these platforms but just to zoom out a bit like one interesting question that i don't think these companies really have figured out yet is how to deal with something like russia today rt you know, this is a mm-hmm. news network that is clearly tied to the Kremlin. The U.S. intelligence community many times has said that it's basically the propaganda arm of the Russian government. What are they, the Fox News of Russia? Oh, boy. And so <laughs> so RT has video. Tony's poor life such a miserable I'm going to get so many emails later. <laughs> oh, uh, too bad. They have millions you of... You don't work for me. They have, they have videos that have millions of views on YouTube. They have tweets uh, that Twitter flagged uh, throughout the election that promoted some of the stories it did related to WikiLeaks. They have a page on Facebook. Facebook right now. Does that count as propaganda that Facebook should take down? In the eyes of the company, it's no. That's a that's a yeah. speech issue um, that affects mm-hmm. users from other countries. Uh, in the eyes of some in the United States who are pretty pissed off at the coverage from RT, the answer is yes, it should be taken down. So at this moment right now, RT stuff is still available. They're still allowed to advertise on a platform like Facebook and Twitter. I asked them about it just a few weeks ago. Uh, that's a much bigger problem, though, than these companies or even mm-hmm. the U.S. government has come to terms with. The free speech. Mm-hmm. Thing. A lot of the, I mean, these tech companies and their platforms have long been seen as promoters of free speech and have often erred on the side of doing whatever the rules they have in place, keeping with um, terms of service and, and, and policies that like err on the side of okay, well, that falls into free speech, so we can keep that up. But now the public perception of them as like these do-good companies or even just somewhat benign, you know, companies is is changing. Do you think that this could, they could be regulated in a way that fundamentally changes the way social media works as we've known it to date? 
Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. This is, I think, the story of 2017, which is platform responsibility, because it's more than just Russia, remember. We're also dealing with some of these same issues when it comes to white supremacy and the things that were mm -hmm. said around uh, the, the neo-Nazi rally in Charlottesville. And we're having the same conversation right now in the U.S. Congress about sex trafficking, of all things, where there are members who want these companies to crack down and the platforms say, oh, we're a neutral platform, we can't get involved in the things our users post, um, at least not in a way that opens us to more lawsuits. Uh, this is the defining question now, but it's not an easily answered one because from the perspective of government, yeah, sure, you can hand down these edicts, but then you end up in a First Amendment fight. Mm -hmm. And from the perspective of the companies, yeah, they probably could do more, but we've seen time and again when a company makes the wrong decision about the stuff that it takes down, particularly when it relies on an algorithm that can be easily gamed to flag things as abuse that aren't actually abuse, mm -hmm. that we find ourselves asking the question, should these companies have this power at all? Like, should they ah, be the gatekeepers? the utility question. Yeah, I mean, should should mm -hmm. they have a gatekeeper role at all? Like, are we comfortable with a company playing this role? Um, so these are not very easily answered or easily regulated issues. And in some levels, you know, they made all this money. That's their response. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their responsibility. Last question before we get to lots of questions, listener questions. So do you think people are really turned off by social media? Or is this a Washington media Silicon Valley confab, or most people just oblivious to it? Um, I think it's probably a little bit of all of the above, but I don't think it's that, like, the Russia piece has turned people off the social media. Mm -hmm. I think it's a frustration with the tone of stuff that's on there, yep. uh, with the tone of the conversation that's on there, with the abuse that's happened on some of those platforms, and some of that overlaps with Russia, and some of it doesn't overlap yeah, it makes with Russia. Behave. But one behaved. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there, there seems to be a general. And then you like layer the privacy questions on top of that that have always presented themselves when we're talking about social mm -hmm. media. I think that this is just feeding into that frustration, but. When you look at the numbers, it doesn't suggest that like millions and millions of people are no longer using Facebook and Twitter. They're still using them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we have a lot it's, still to it's learn. It's also an addiction in some way. Yeah. They're kind of, a, you know, it's like Cheetos or something. <laughs> you know. Digital Cheetos. Digital Cheetos. <laughs> You're laughing a lot today there, Lauren. I'm very funny. You liked my podcast. <laughs> I know you. I, like just I know Lauren to you too. I like Lauren like my Fox News joke. That was from a New York Times article, too, by the way, FYI. That joke was. Um, it was talking about the relationship between the administration. I really feel like I could just listen to you guys go on. In on, any on. case, we're, we're, we, we're... We don't have any ads this episode. We don't. So, you know, just... I'm surprised we don't anymore. have, like, a vodka People ad. People Say it in Russian. Do Kaching, Natasha. Yes. Kaching. And, we, you know, well, you know the, the Verge cast has a, a... They have a fake vodka called Scissor Vodka Cut Through the Night. So, perhaps we can just borrow their ad for this one. <laughs> vodka, and, yeah. Yes, I love vodka. <laughs> oh, rubles, rubles, kaching. <laughs> Jesus, did someone really say What is wrong with our government, honestly? You know the old Mark Twain quote? Which you should always be, you should always be loyal to your country and loyal to the government when it deserves it. It's a very good quote. Something I'm going like to get that. so many emails later. <laughs> no, it's a Mark Twain quote. It was, it was in another New York Times article, another ad for the New York Times. Anyway, we're here uh, with Recode Senior Policy and Politics Editor Tony Rom. He's like horrified with me. We have to have lunch to talk about this. Talking about social media and politics. Uh, now we're going to take some questions on that topic from our readers and listeners. Lauren, would you read the first question from a fantastic Yes, the first person. question is from someone named Boris. Said, no, I'm just kidding. It's really not. Yet. It's Yet. from Keegan Gortz uh, at Yo Gortz, Gortz. I hope I'm saying that correctly on Twitter. Is it possible for social media platforms to solve this problem or does it take politicians the world over to regulate? Mm. 
i.e. regulate that no political campaigning can be done on some platforms. Uh, think about the strict UK media laws for campaigning. Oh, that's just interesting. Add, it's apparent that Keegan has 280 characters, Keegan. Keegan, what the hell, Keegan? <laughs> uh, because that's a, lo- that's so a long tweet bring in, right there. Because I'm going to be interviewing Marguerite Bestiger soon in a couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a lot of concern in Europe about this. Yeah. Uh, a great deal of concern there. Uh, and action. And action. But the thing that they have, as the question points out, that the United States doesn't have are uh, much stricter media laws. And so let's take France, actually, as, a, as an let's example. Let's take France. Uh, let's take France. And so we saw a hack on Emmanuel Macron's emails that mm-hmm. came out just mm-hmm. days before the vote. Yeah. But first, there are blackout rules there where the candidates can't speak and yeah. run up to an election. And second... The the country's Explain electoral. The can't, I mean, uh, can't the, report on them. Well, you can report on them, but they but they're not allowed to speak. Uh, like in the what forty eight hours or so before yeah. the election, mm-hmm. and the 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 electoral um, regulators in the country essentially issued a warning to media outlets not to publish the emails because there was unverified and in many cases oh. incorrect information. And they followed along. And they followed it with a couple exceptions. Russia Today was one that did not follow it, but the Guardian and others followed the edict from France, and so you didn't see this tidal wave of stories there before their election that you saw here with WikiLeaks and we have no the Clinton. Because, but, but there's a big question there. Like, should the U.S. government do that? I think there are a great many folks who think the answer is no, mm-hmm. that there shouldn't be any regulation like that. Yeah. And there's not a single person in Capitol Hill who's even suggesting as much. No. All we're really talking about right now is political ads and political ad disclosure. Uh, and even that's been a difficult thing so to do. Take on the, the big one. Could they, can they even solve this problem? They've created it for sure by they, making these platforms. They can do thinking. a lot. Solve, I don't know, but like they they can certainly do a lot by having more manual review of political ads. I mean, Cheryl Sandberg came out and did her whole mea culpa after uh, the report by ProPublica and others on the ways that folks were gaming Facebook's ad system to reach Jew haters and things yeah. of the sort, just writing in categories uh, for 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 their ad targeting. There are things that the company can do, and the company and and others like uh, Twitter and Google are are. are say that they're doing them, but I think that it hasn't happened as fast as folks would like, particularly given the fact that Silicon Valley talks so much about how smart and fast and great they are. Like, why can't you devote your resources to fixing this problem? They only do that when they want to Mm -hmm. praise themselves. When there's an actual problem there, it's very hard, Kara. Very hard. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is? No, you don't because you're not technical. I'm like, but I thought. I mean, I will I will give them all the credit. Dealing with free speech issues is is as hard as it gets. And they have a lot to do here. Uh, and the impacts of the decisions they make with their algorithms have great repercussions around Absolutely. the world. So. Too bad it's the life they've chosen. Yeah. It's the life they they've chosen. They move fast and break it's things the when, life it's, when yeah. it's chosen. We're going to go to the Godfather. But they don't, now. yeah. Which they I don't move fast seen. when it comes oh to breaking Oh my God. Democracy. You haven't seen The Godfather? No. It's the life we've chosen. <laughs> it's the life they've chosen to be billionaires. They can fix it. Anyway, thank you. That's my answer. Um, Travis Smith, I am Trav182. Uh, why aren't tech CEOs more concerned with the degradation of their platforms? That's exactly the second point, Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and and you can see the spectrum of CEO involvement on this mm-hmm. issue, right? So Mark did his, you know, interrogation video. Cheryl came to DC. You know, on the other side of that, I have heard not a word from Jack Dorsey at Twitter Dorsey. on the Russia issue in particular. No. Where is he is a good question. They've done a lot of it out of D.C. Uh, and uh, Google has just been quiet all around. Like, we don't know uh, who's running that place. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, uh, Google hasn't said a whole lot. So uh, Facebook has been the most active, but it also has the most to lose here. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are some in the tech industry that were kind of annoyed that Facebook uh, had their CEO out there uh, mm-hmm. to, to kind of elevate the issue, but that's another matter entirely. Yeah, well, that's, mm-hmm. they, they, there's a lot of 
discontent between all of them. In yeah. fact, I, just can I can you ask a related question that the degradation of tech essentially one of I was somewhere where one of the big companies that is not involved in this because their products don't affect it. We're talking about the viral contagion from these to their other to all of tech. And they're like, why should this is going to this is getting all of us and we didn't do anything and sort of we're annoyed by that. Yeah. And, uh, and other companies we, like we, we focused on Facebook and Google and Twitter, but there are other companies that have done their own investigations, some of which have been more public than others. Snap, for instance, um, has been very forthcoming that it hasn't found any Russia related ads in yeah. its platform. Uh, your favorite company, Yahoo, mm-hmm. now Oath, uh, has said <laughs> has said <laughs> has said actually nothing uh, as to what may or may not have happened uh, with respect to ads. So no, they it's were a just, spectrum. Mm-hmm. They're just hacking emails mm-hmm. there, but for billions of people. Yeah, they're just under Oath now. Under oath oh. now. But, um, Nobody wants to go that there. That transition from Russian... you know Yahoo now Oath is just never going to sound no. good. Even no. the Russians don't want to go. Oh, no, no borders. We don't want to go there. No, <laughs> nobody goes there. It's not cool anymore. <laughs> And Snap, you can't do it with the way it's set up, right? The way it's. Uh, yeah, there's more manual review there. Uh, and you just reason- can't game it that well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, mu- it's much Stories different. Stories, you gotta do, st- it's just too hard. Well, with uh, with the um, the video ads that run in between snaps when you're looking through story and stuff, yeah, those are very, very controlled. I think that there was at least a question like, oh, we should check to make sure geofilters hadn't been co-opted in some way, but again, those are all, <laughs> those are all, well, come hey, to, remember, it sounds weird, to but Siberia. it it's sounds weird, but <laughs> during political rallies in the course yeah. of the 2016 campaign, you know, both sides were taking out ads near their opponent's true. rally. And true. there's there's definitely a way to reach people in a more intimate way. But again, Snap did not have that problem. Harder, harder. Next one, mm-hmm. The next few questions are all about, I guess, uh, data tracking and identifying issues on social media. We had a question from Sarah Camden, one from Alex Hardy, and one from someone named Somite, or Somite, I might be saying that incorrectly. What percentage of accounts are fraudulent, and what methods can platforms use to better verify identification of bad actors? Uh, Are there any comparisons or metrics or ways to track the spread of false information and hoaxes? Which is a great question. What is the best way to identify a bot or a troll? So I guess a couple of those questions or about the companies and how they can identify potential problems. But then if you're a consumer of these platforms, how do you identify a bot or a troll? Yeah, it's very difficult. In terms of the numbers, I don't have a comprehensive number. And I think if we knew, you know, the companies might be more inclined to take faster action. At least with Twitter, we know there are probably millions of bots. On Facebook, we know there are many, many, many fake profiles and pages. Uh, But uh, insofar as a comprehensive number, I don't know. You had some academics. Yeah, yeah. Some, Some academics at Oxford and others have really started studying this stuff. Uh, which actually leads to two related problems slash questions to be had here. The first is whether these companies need to make more of their data available for academics and others to do this kind of analysis. There was a big fight over a report about Twitter between the academics who produced it and the company. You know, the company was very quick to criticize it as, you know, and and, and to be clear, the report was about misinformation uh, spreading on the platform. Uh, the report criticized Twitter. Twitter then went back to the academics and they were like, well, hey, if you had just made the full fire hose of tweets available to us, we could do a more comprehensive study, but Twitter won't do that. Mm -hmm. So we might have better information if 
only folks had access to the data, they would need to do the analysis. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is about government. And one of the things that Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook said while she was in D.C. over the past week or so, week or so is that she feels that the U.S. government needs to do more to give information to tech companies so that they can find these, you know, Russia-tied bots or accounts or whatnot. You know, there is a bit of information sharing that goes on, and Sandberg did not specify exactly oh, what that's their story. What I she think would I like. heard internally yeah. that that's their thing, like yeah, it's this the is government's their, fault, yeah, essentially. I wouldn't disagree with that. It's, this is a, these are countries attacking yeah. companies, and as powerful and rich the, as these companies are, it's a country attacking yeah. you. And yeah. so the government should be, I mean, the government knew a lot more stuff early on before and didn't didn't seem to there's certainly a knowledge gap and this has happened in many contexts whether it's national security or cybersecurity or whatnot right. that there isn't enough conversation about you know between the private sector and the u.s government on these issues of national importance and so at least cheryl's comment now and i think you can expect to see facebook do this at the hearing they're next week that. they're they're, they're going to turn it and they're going to be like you guys need to do more to help us about this stuff even though i think it's a tactic on their part i think it's they're not incorrect in terms of it's it has the luxury of being true because yeah. it's a country attacking companies. Yeah. And that's a very different thing. Uh, Lauren, you want to ask the next one? Sure. Next question from Adam Engelbrecht and an email as well. Uh, should we be talking social media at all or really education? And the email from Roger Evans says, what impact has, that, has the American educational system or lack thereof had on American politics? What is fact-based? What is fact-based research, etc.? Would we recognize a fact if it walked up and bit us? <laughs> Climate change is one example. Uh, so this idea is, and Kara, we've talked about, all that, yes. about this a lot on the podcast. And one of the things I really like about your sort of approach to this is that you just really feel like people should take more personal responsibility Absolutely. Uh, for this kind of thing. And like, so how much of this does fall on the education system, but also uh, Americans to stay educated and stay aware of what appears to be fake. Well, one thing before Tony answers, I would point out that CNN has a fantastic ad. I just tweeted it uh, uh, going around where they have a picture of an apple. It says, this is an apple. It is not a banana. It's not a banana. Some people will say banana, banana, banana really loudly. I'll tweet banana, banana, banana all day and it's an apple. And it's a great, it's a great ad to point out this problem um, about it. And that's Mm -hmm. not education. It's, it's the divisiveness. But Tony, why don't you talk about that? How do you, is it an educational problem? Are we just as dumb as can be or what? I, I certainly one of the things that never ceases to amaze me is that we have more ability now than ever before to learn stuff, but also seem to know the least about stuff. That is a very profound. It's not. Statement. It's not as if there aren't wonderful articles out there on the New York Times or Rico.net, right, mm-hmm. where you can learn about these things. But people tend to take the path of least resistance, especially when they're consuming information on social media. And I do often see my college-educated friends sharing stories of very, very, you know, dubious origins. What do you do? Uh, I drink, uh, mostly <laughs> is what I do, but uh, uh, that, that, that's generally it. And, and, and there's only so much you can do to correct people. It, it does come down to personal responsibility. I, I, I firmly believe that. But, you know, the problem tends to be when these fake news sites look really convincing. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if people yeah, have the tools to 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 kind of choose one source over another, that's which the is worst which is, part. Which, is which, which is a long time problem. It's not new to the social media age figuring out what's right and what's not right. But you know, and then you layer on top of that the fact that the White House, for better or worse, and I know I said for better or worse, there's no better to it. Uh, constantly attacks journalists, and so mm-hmm. you end up in this weird information environment where everything seems wrong. 
or is fake news. Or everyone on, has their interpretation. Yeah, yeah. or has yeah, their interpretation. Or doesn't facts. believe yeah. it or just decides they, I mean, yeah. people for centuries have been making their own decisions based on almost no evidence and, and do it. I yeah. literally had my mother in a car this weekend and we were using Google and Waze and a whole bunch, you know, the, to get somewhere. And she was like, no, this way is better. And we're like, no, it's 37 minutes longer. And she goes, no, I know. Yeah. And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm going to rely on the algorithm for this one yeah. because it was really, <laughs> but it was, you know, just completely like, yeah, no. Well, know, there's also this idea of like self-selection too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, you can educate yeah, you get people, people all you want and people could be reading legitimate news sources that are not fake news or looking at an ad that is a legitimate ad. But if it already just, uh, it sort of reaffirms sure. whatever already... in their head, any biases that might exist, then you're not, you may not take the time to go look at an alternate source. Yeah. Bias confirmation. All right. Next question from Patrick Callahan Jr. What is Twitter's rationale for not creating a better, more trustworthy user verification system? Uh, I don't really know Twitter's full rationale as to, as to why they haven't done it. I think you but... hit your nail on the head, the growth thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, growth certainly has a lot to do with it. I mean, they, I get that there are good bots. There, there are bots on Twitter that are actually useful or they're funny or whatnot, but at some point, there does need to be a bit of a scrubbing there, at least in my opinion. And if this is, I, as the person who's not the social media reporter, maybe that's wrong, mm-hmm. but like, I, I certainly think that they do need to do a little bit more. And the verification system is its own mini problem because there are a lot of folks on there who are unverified, who mm-hmm. are spreading misinformation. And that adds to the thing we were just talking about, which is figuring out the difference between a fact and not a fact. Right. Uh, you know, when you have conspiracy theorists who have the blue check mark and they're sending out information, but people are trained to see the blue check mark as a sign of authenticity, that is a problem with the platform. And it moves Washington. Right? Yes, it, it does changed. move Washington. All of this stuff moves Washington mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, it gets to a staffer and it gets to the boss and the boss goes on MSNBC and talks about it. So it's mm-hmm. it's very easy to, to, to shape the conversation that way. Ah, oh, democracy. Mm-hmm. Lauren? Is this from Rohan, Rohan uh, Bade? Bade? Did companies, Facebook and Google, deliberately not act when the issue of fake news was highlighted pre-election? No, I don't think that they were deliberate in not acting. I think it was two different things. The first was a belief that the problem wasn't as bad as it ultimately was. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has said as much. He's essentially done his mea culpa, admitting that things were way worse. And this came after that. Uh, I, it may have been the Times that reported it where Barack Obama approached uh, you know, Zuckerberg and yeah. approached Facebook to say, mm. hey, now, you know, you guys need post, to be more mindful yeah. of this sort of thing. So I think it was a, a, a sense that the problem wasn't as bad as it is. And I think that it's this belief that time and time again keeps being proven wrong that the platform can't always be a dumb platform. I mean, this has been the tale from Silicon Valley since the very beginning. Oh, we're just we're just the place. Yes. You know, we're not the content. We didn't do platform. it. We aren't the users. The platform is dumb. You know, you guys post what you want to post. But that consistently is getting this industry in trouble in 2017, whether we're talking about racist content or sex trafficking or uh, Russia co-opting an election. Government's going to get involved. And and Silicon Valley is going to fight tooth and nail to stop government from interfering with the algorithm, which is supposed to be this neutral, all-powerful god, uh, and with the platform. Well, that's not going to hold water, I would say, correct? Maybe. We'll see. Oh, they, they can pay, spend a lot. They're, they, they, is this correct? They're spending a lot more money on lobbying like crazy. I, I mean, over the course that I've been on this beat, it's just gone up exponentially uh, in terms of what they're spending in Washington, D.C. And Russia and some of these other issues that we've discussed featured prominently on the lobbying disclosures that came out on Friday. Interesting. This is uh, M. Loveland. Given Clinton campaign lack of boots on the ground in rural regions, isn't blaming the Internet 
uh, companies a red herring. Well, it's not one or the other, but and that's the the other thing. Uh, uh, Bar- Brad Parcells, who worked for the Trump administration, right? Pars- uh, Par- Parscale, whatever him, yeah, that guy. He was saying they embedded Facebook people, which I think was just not so. It's, well, it's, it's not weird actually. No, because they do it all the time. He, all the he time. was misspeaking in a way. He was making it embedding is, is a very heavy term, and yeah. I think Facebook. Just to be clear, Facebook and, and Twitter and others bring staffers to big clients and help them use the tools. It's, they, did, they did it when I was at the Wall Street Journal. They've done it for Rico. LinkedIn has come, to, come in and stuff. So in Facebook's case, the Trump campaign availed themselves of the help from Facebook, for example, and perhaps the Clinton administration didn't, Clinton campaign didn't. So can you talk about this? Weather isn't blaming the internet companies a red herring? I, I just don't think it's mutually exclusive. Like right. you can talk about, because because this issue is bigger than Clinton. I think that's I think folks often lose sight of it because it's happening under the auspices of the 2016 presidential election right. investigation, which, you know, at its face is, did Donald Trump benefit from uh, right. the interference of the Russian government? But right. this is beyond that, because if foreign powers or uh, even folks who aren't part of the Russian government are trying to spread dis- disinformation, co-op social media, uh, cause trouble around elections, then it's certainly an issue that Congress and the federal government should be exploring. hundred percent. That being said, mm-hmm. one of the outstanding questions we have right now is the extent to which these ads that appear on Facebook and elsewhere have any overlap with the work that Parscale did in targeting or the work that the Trump campaign did ahead of election day. You'll see questions about that on November 1st, and you probably won't get any answers about probably, it. Probably, and that's never going to yeah. be solved. I mean, I think it? if you're going to look at factors, any factor that goes beyond digital, which is what this podcast is focused on, but then you also have to look, if you're looking at boots on the ground and where people campaigned, you also have to look at things like potential voter obstruction. You have to look at things like gerrymandering. Exactly. You have to look at like all of those factors um, mm-hmm. once you get into sort of like the non foreign influence, non digital realm. Yeah. Yeah, so not mutually exclusive. Not mutually exclusive. And you shouldn't because, again, as Tony said, a foreign country interfering with our elections is bad. Yeah, I think... Everyone, hear that? Bad. Yeah, one interesting point... Depending where you fall, it's bad. One thing to keep in mind, Mark Warner, top Democrat, Senate Intelligence Committee, his state of Virginia has its elections this month or Mm -hmm. next month. It'll be November. That's it, it, it's, it's a rare thing Virginia does. It, it's the off year before the midterm election. So for him, this is an issue of that's a pressing personal local concern. Uh, it's more than just about Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They can't if they if it works for them this time, they'll do it again and again. If we don't stop or, or somehow put a, a flag in the stand, whatever, whatever you can do, <laughs> stop them, stop them. Has to do. <laughs> Last question, Lauren. All right. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think Zucks? really going to run for president next election <laughs> when he's done milking cows is he going to run for president of the united states antoine no no, no absolutely no. not no i don't think so <laughs> okay. i wouldn't why not pass because i think you, they're mistaking his interest in things that very mark zuckerbergian um which he does every year the unusual things with his very earnestness, he's a very earnest person, and we make fun of it, the livestock, but he really he really cares about uh, connecting with people. If, if you look up the – like the thing that touched all this off was the was the language in the securities filing. Mm-hmm. Talk. It, it didn't say that he was going to run for office. It was essentially saying that he would serve in some capacity in right. government. Yeah. There are ways to serve in government – whether it's like a brief one-month tour of duty or whatnot, that don't require you to be a federal right. office holder. So when I read mm-hmm. that, you know, 
at, and at, at the time, we were thinking that Hillary Clinton might be president. And I thought to myself, I wonder if he was thinking of advising uh, that administration in some capacity. On I, government I, I don't think that he was, something. but that was more along the lines of what I thought I agree. they were telegraphing. I agree. I think you'd see Sheryl Sandberg running much more than you'd see yeah. him running. And I do think she eventually probably will um, when her children are older. When she is in, I think when her children are in it, not immediately, she would have run for governor of California if she was interested in getting into the cycle now. But I think she'd be more mm-hmm. likely than he would. And it's not clear where she would. She has said she isn't, but I, I'm not so sure. I think a lot of people feel like maybe in five to 10 years' time, she might do that. I don't know. Well, you, you really you that? pressed her on that at that women's conference. I did. She, she said, didn't. You, she, she said, didn't. You heard it from me, and I'm saying no. She was very. I meant this election the, cycle. Yeah, at this that, time. That was yeah. going to the Hillary Clinton campaign, too. I think it was. I the think Treasury was, Department we were talking Treasury about. Treasury Department. Yeah. She was talking about yeah. serving in the thing. You know, I think she she could run. She, she if, if anyone from that company it's runs, it's her. her. It's going to be her. Anyone else? Would you want anyone else running for President Howard Schultz, from what I understand, is meeting with people? Who else? I am not thinking about 2020 right now. I can't do <laughs> you it. you got to have to. I cannot do it. <laughs> Come on. Who would be good? Who would I got to get like? through 2017. What internet? But there's going to yeah. be an internet candidate. There's going to be Mark do I, Cuban. I, I don't know if I think that there's going to be an internet candidate. I, well, I guess Howard Schultz has been in the digital realm because he's a, a, a VC and stuff like that, too. So I'd say Howard Schultz. Well, I guess hmm. Bob Iger is the one. I mean, he's not a Silicon Valley guy, right? But like, yeah. they're, I think that's the one everybody's watching. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not. But it, yeah, because I don't want to think about it. But <laughs> we'll see. Anybody else? Do you see anybody else? Not yeah. right. Right now, the only people who have really made their intentions clear are the folks on Capitol Hill who are posturing. Right. Uh, other than that, I think it's just too soon to know. Too soon. Not Sam. Do Oliver. you think Meg Whitman would ever run again? Do I think Meg Whitman? No. 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 I'm, I, a, I'm giving I, a no on that yeah, one too. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that was not a pleasant campaign. And. Losing thirty million bucks. Yeah, there's also that. You know, no, I don't hmm. think so. She could serve an administration though. That you could see her being tapped for a bunch of stuff. Well, certainly and not this administration. No, she hates Donald no, Trump. But no, she was very adamant against it. Yeah. All right. Well, Tony, you have done a great job. Get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You've got Thanks, a lot guys. to do. You got a yeah. lot to do. There's a lot going on. It should be really interesting anyway, and it's a really important time for Silicon Valley. And we're lucky enough to have Tony working for us at this incredible juncture in Silicon Valley history. So buckle up. Silicon Valley, it's going to be a bumpy ride, I think. Mm-hmm. Correct? You got Tony, thank you so much right? for joining us. And of course, thanks. Work. And everyone follow Tony on Twitter for basically just a, yes, a live feed of all the thoughts Tony. that pop into his head throughout the day because he's very candid <laughs> he on Twitter. He is. And he's it's, not a bot. He's it's not a cry for help. It's one large cry for help. <laughs> I would tell him to dial it back, but then I have to look at my own Twitter feed, so I won't. <laughs> so anyway, that's <laughs> at Tony Rome. <laughs> it's true. I did a really. I was bad today. I was on a train. It was terrible. Anyway, Tony, thank you for coming. This is at Tony R O M M. He'll he'll be you'll be you'll be tweeting from the session. Yep, I'll be in DC. You'll be tweeting. Great, fantastic, and doing whatever, doing all the coverage. If you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show, and you can leave us a review at iTunes.com/slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. Please leave us a review. We read them. We like them. I don't read them at all. Do you read? Kara doesn't read them. Do you read them? I read them sometimes. Really? Yeah, I do. Okay. When you subscribe, mm-hmm. you, you see be, what they have to say about I, either. I could care less. When you subscribe, <laughs> you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. And you shouldn't care, by the way. Who cares what the trolls say about you? I don't. Well, if you're not an Apple podcast, you can also subscribe on Spotify, Google Play Music, really wherever you listen to podcasts, Mm -hmm. or just go to our website, rico.net slash podcast, and you can find all of the good stuff there. Good stuff there. And while you're there, there's a lot more good stuff. You check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. 
The we Verge also has Russian. It. How do you put it's Russian for Peter <laughs> and the Wolf? Peter, recut media with Peter and the Wolf. Anyway, Tchaikovsky. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, the Verge also has a great podcast. It's called The Verge Cast. It's hosted by Neil I. Patel. And we have a brand new podcast called Why'd You Push That Button? That's hosted by Caitlin Tiffany and Ashley Carmen. They spent an entire podcast last week talking about super likes on Tinder. It's a really well-produced podcast. Uh, it's all about our interaction with tech and social media. So oh. check it out. Why'd you push that button? Yeah. I like that name. Anyway. It's a good don't, name, right? That's a good name. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Rico with the hashtag too embarrassed. Or email them to us at tooembarrassed at recode.net. And thank you for listening. Thanks also to Cadence 13, the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then.